welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today we have our guest Rick Collins. He's the Senior Director of Marketing Ops at ConnectWise. Uh, Rick is joining us to talk about an important topic, I think, for, for many folks in, in marketing ops as you're in startups or growing businesses, but really how you can build out and mature your marketing ops team as the company grows and even goes through change, whether that growth is through kind of natural growth with adding on to the company or even through acquisitions and so forth. So um, decided to actually, Rick, you volunteered to be on the podcast as we did a call for speakers, which I love. So I know you're a listener and, um, but yeah, welcome to the podcast, Rick. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, excited to be on here. I've listened for a long time uh, uh, on my run. So uh, it would be weird. Uh, here, it is a little weird hearing your voice at uh, regular speed and not because I listen to my, pod- <laughs> my podcast uh, sped up. So normal voice uh, and speed for me. Yeah, I feel like people probably need to uh, speed up my voice. So I feel like that's a top tip for everyone <laughs> who wants to do uh, uh, Charlie, the other half of CS2, he does it all the time. He's like, I can't believe you're listening to something at normal speed right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fairly common these days, right? Um, cool. Well, to kick it off, I know uh, you probably know this, but we always ask folks, like, kind of, what's their origin story to get to where they are today, especially in MOPS, because we all have very similar stories of how we, like, maybe stumbled into it. Um, but mm-hmm. what also kept us going down that path and what appealed to us? So, would love for you to just give us a quick recap for our listeners of how you got into MOPS. Okay. Yeah. Happy to do so. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of came from an IT background, even though that wasn't really where I saw myself uh, going down that path. Uh, in college, I was a international business and Spanish major, uh, oh. kind of had dreams of uh, you know, working for a multinational company, traveling to Latin America, uh, doing something in business, but certainly not marketing, uh, did not have any interest in marketing or anything related to it. Felt like, you know, advertising is what marketing was to me. Um, and, and just kind of by chance after college was looking to try to start something, couldn't really find much and got into uh, QA, uh, at a telecom company, uh, quest at the time. Uh, I think they're century link now, but, Mm. uh, got, really kind of deep into uh, QA testing and involved in a lot of aspects of IT. Didn't love it. Uh, it was too, um, I don't know, too rigid, too, it was, I didn't have enough interaction with people. Uh, so I felt like, even though I was learning a ton, um, really kind of wanted to see where I could go from there and uh, ended up at a software company from there. Did a lot of things for that, uh, that software company. Uh, and software training, um, uh, did a lot of implementation, system implementations, worked both on the, the software side and uh, really kind of a liaison with the hardware. But um, a, a lot of kind of the core of my career has been being a bridge between the business and the technical. Mm. Um, so but either between uh, end users or internal customers who are represent the business side of the house and then uh, being able to talk both languages and, and really kind of be in that bridge between the two. Uh, I, I really kind of honed that muscle a little bit more at that software company, um, both with our external customers as well as uh, with the sales team. Got kind of heavily involved with the sales team and then kind of transitioned into nonprofit a little bit. I, I led IT at United Way in Columbus, um, originally from Columbus, Ohio, uh, in Tampa now. Uh, but Part of that was uh, I was really hired there to implement relationship management, um, both from a people process and technology side of things into United Way. Uh, it was kind of a national initiative. Uh, and so it, it certainly involved a lot of process work, a lot of cultural work, change management, um, but heavily involved in uh, transitioning United Way to from, from a transactional-based uh, fundraising model to a more relationship-based transactional model mm. with digital uh, digital at the core of everything we did. And so it was a heavy involvement of uh, really kind of exercising that digital engine and building that out at Connect, or I'm saying ConnectWise, at United Way uh, back then and uh, really started to get a, a view into marketing operations, even though we didn't call it that, mm. and, and really digital marketing. Um, implemented Salesforce, uh, part of a national model across all the United Ways that I was involved with of uh, really kind of 
looking at that, actually one of the roles in uh, the the group that we were working in was called a director of marketing operations. And I remember seeing that saying, huh, marketing operations, what is that? That, that kind of sounds cool. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, wife wants to move to Florida. She's just after me every winter. Why do we live in Ohio? It's too cold. Uh, and I finally kind of was like, you know, I, maybe it's time uh, and found uh, a role at ConnectWise um, that wasn't called marketing operations. We didn't, I don't think ConnectWise, and I certainly didn't really know what marketing operations was, um, but it, it was more, it was really to manage the tech stack. Uh, I think the original scope was uh, we need somebody to come in here and, and really move us forward uh, yeah. with our tech stack, set a vision. Uh, and and really get us down uh, building out a lead scoring model. Those were, I think, the two oh, okay. kind of initial aspects of it. What was um, the title? I was a senior marketing systems analyst. Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Uh, it was it was very interesting. And I remember when I talked to our head of marketing when, through the interview process, it was funny to listen to him articulate what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this was twenty. 16, I guess, during the interview process, 2017, mm-hmm. right in that range. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, we're kind of looking for a technical person, but a business-minded person, somebody that can bridge the gap. We, we kind of need a unicorn. Yeah. Uh, and and it was before unicorn was like this common phrase. And I think a lot of marketing ops people are known as unicorns. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's just funny thinking back how far uh, both marketing operations has come as well as even connect wise and what, you know, how we've matured and in, in our thinking from that as well. Totally. That's really interesting. Cause that's a, like a, I think if you connect it to like the, the way that you're describing yourself, even early on, like of it, but what you're trying to get to is like trying to be at the center of like people and process and data, but looking for something where, you can work like actually work with people and like be cross-functional. Um, and, and then obviously your hiring manager saying like, we need someone who can do that, but also be business minded. I think that's really at a core, like what marketing ops is and, or a marketing ops person that can like really thrive is like, yes, we're building out process and we're at the center of like a, a lot of technical work and data, but in order to really, you know, create a roadmap that makes sense or, or really like understand where to prioritize initiatives, like you have to really be thinking about the business. So it is a little bit of a unicorn to find. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> um, right? But I think the, the skills um, can be kind of learned there or like if you, I think mm-hmm. also for, for folks who maybe aren't like super, super technical, but still like problem solving, I think they might even lean into the business side because some people just really love business. That's something that I was very, I was technical, but at a core, I just like love figuring out how businesses work and how to make them better. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, that's great. It, it's, I think a lot of it, uh, I always, when I'm interviewing people, I always, uh, phrase this natural curiosity mm-hmm. and like the, the willingness to, or, having a question and trying to dig into the answer behind that question. And oftentimes that could, you know, can be people, it can be processed. It also can be technical where you have to dig into the systems and figure it out. And so I think that it always seems to be a common uh, theme or trait that uh, at least the people I've dealt with in the marketing operations space have um, for, for those that are successful. Cool. Yeah, totally. hundred percent agree. Um, well, we'll get into the meat of our questions. I think um, we're really talking about building out and maturing a marketing ops team as the company grows. And um, we, we were talking about this before, but you've had like kind of like long stints um, being at companies. And most recently at ConnectWise, you've been there like five years or so, just like mm-hmm. over five years and um, have probably seen that company go through a lot of change. And um but uh, for for yourself, when when you took that role and um, at ConnectWise, like how how large was the company? Were you guys still kind of early stage? Was it like an already kind of advanced company at the time? Like what was it like had been around but operating like a small startup? Um, what was the kind of environment like? Yeah, we we were probably I think when I joined maybe 600, 700 people. Uh, I, I want to say we were like in the one hundred and seventy five to two hundred million dollar ARR. So we were we were actually fairly large 
in comparison to a startup. Yeah. Um, but we weren't operationally mature. I think there were a lot of operational uh, aspects that that we were lacking, um, and and we were still growing. We were a fast growing company. We we're growing twenty twenty five percent year over year. Mm. Um, but we uh, how we got there was uh, was not as 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 natural maybe or, or as operationally sound as as I think we would want to run. Um, and as you see a lot of a lot of companies uh, run today. But we, we were still fairly large. Um, we just didn't have anything formal from a marketing operations perspective. We were, um, we had a digital, a lot of things were under digital marketing. Mm. Uh, a lot of things that you would normally see under marketing operations. Uh, but there were a lot of aspects that we didn't need. We had a lot of homegrown systems, homegrown mm. lead management system, a homegrown CRM system. Uh, so all this custom development that IT would do. Uh, that, but then... Uh, we didn't have kind of that formal, hey, we need to build out a, a roadmap for marketing operations. We need to build out a, uh, I don't know, an attribution model, mm-hmm. um, connect things into Salesforce or whatnot. It, because we had all these homegrown systems, I think it, um, it kind of led us down that path. Mm. Having come into that and or seeing the company not really like maybe mature the marketing ops function as much early on, like what do you feel like is some of your advice maybe for some companies who are a bit early on or like early stage kind of company series A, B, C? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what do you suggest for as far as like their investment in MOPS? Like, do you feel like it would, it's maybe a time to kind of set the foundation early on? Um, have you seen that that would have been useful as the company would have grown, um, maybe been like less technical debt to, kind of take care of later? A hundred percent. The amount of technical debt we we still uh, have to deal with uh, is, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, Just a, you know, one example is data, the amount of data Mm. we have uh, from accounts and contacts and uh, not addressing that early on uh, Mm. and the amount of work that it has taken us to try to overcome that um, both in just invalid accounts, accounts, accounts that are not truly sales addressable mm. and not within our, what our target market would be, let alone duplicates and all the other uh, issues that come along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the, having that strong kind of operational foundation early on, uh, is truly important for growth because what, what has happened, uh, for us, you know, I can say from experience is we've acquired a lot of companies, mm. uh, as a part of our growth as well. And, you, when you're acquiring companies, uh, you're bringing their data along with yours. You're bringing their systems into yours. Uh, and if if you don't take the time, it, one, if you're not already uh, kind of pretty well uh, operationally sound, if you have you know a, a nice data structure, you have your systems really well mapped out, and then bring in another um, piece of that, a bunch of systems and a bunch of data trying to push all that together and do it quickly enough to satisfy all of the stakeholders, it's really challenging and yeah. it really slows you down. And I think what we we really learned through this process is we rushed a lot of that work. And then it took us months, uh, even a year plus to try to get out of some of that technical debt that we had. Totally. Yeah. I think um, that's really important because I think what especially when it comes to data, like you said, or just some foundational things like, I mean, really when it comes down to it, a lot of what we're doing in ops is, you know, managing data and databases and then the process that can support that data in order to use it to be effective. Um, And then the people that touch that data or the systems that touch it. So having that strong kind of, um, I would say like methodology or framework around how you're maintaining Mm -hmm how it's being updated, how people are using it, who has like that governance is super important. Cause yeah, to your, I have been in organizations or at least even seen, like, I think I've, I've had both accounts, like we were talking about with the acquisitions. I've had an account where mm-hmm. when I, I was lucky enough to have been in a company, got them to a place where they had a strong structure. So it was a very easy, easy lift to say like with that company, okay, let's just take on, their structure and let's just mold ours into theirs and it made it simple but i also see sometimes across our clients when they're like coming to us with some of these issues of like okay 
there was no structure. And instead of the the company that's doing the acquisition, they're almost looking at the company that they acquired as a example of what better, you know, what a better operations looked like. And they almost want to um, just like go into their systems instead. Can we take theirs? Yeah, like, yeah. can we right, use right. their Marketo or can we use it? And it's like, well, absolutely. Yeah. And so you don't want to be in that place where you're just like, oh, like taking something that maybe was structurally sound. And and what happens is that you see them be very disparate for a very long time as they're mm-hmm. figuring out how to join them together. Definitely. And, and you know, not to go too far on the, the acquisition piece, but, um, you know, typically, at least for us, we're owned by private equity. There's a thesis statement tied to that acquisition. And so there's a time to like hit the growth goals, integrate mm. the sales teams and all that. But all of the systems behind that, all of the data behind that is really, it's a challenging process. Uh, and so trying to to take certain motions, certain uh, uh, models that, that a lot of the acquired companies have, even if they're better, is re- it's a challenging piece to, to try to merge in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure their yeah. uh, M&A consultants are not saying, hey, what's your marketing operations or what's your operations I, I like? <laughs> Definitely not. That is, the, that is not a part of the uh, qualification standards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree though, around early stage, like the, I think not going too much, but at least what you can to set a structure and hire early on the better. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think what I probably didn't mention too, is I think a lot of times, uh, the, the first role that, that a marketing operations role that someone, uh, an early stage company can hire, a lot of times they're asking them to to be both strategic and executional, right? It'd mm. Be able to do both, mm-hmm. but then they throw so much at them yeah. um, that I think that can be a big risk. And we talk a lot about that in different podcasts and, mm-hmm. and marketing operations uh, webinars and whatnot. Of you know, you can't ask for somebody to run your paid media, run your attribution model, build out a tech stack, send your email, um, build an email strategy, to, like you know be your data reporting analyst, data, yeah. uh, write SQL, like you want all these things, one person, do it all. Manage your website. And, <laughs> yeah, do it, right, right. You know, everything related to this, this is one person doing it. And mm-hmm. so really trying to, um, you definitely want someone who can lay the strategic foundation and, and cast that vision for a roadmap of, of where you're going. But you're, you, I think you have to prepare. They can probably do some of the execution piece, um, but you can't throw everything at them. You're going to have to build out a team, truly a team behind that. Totally. And I think that person, like you said, if they are business minded and they're focusing on it, they'll understand like where to maybe go with those hires, like what they know will be need a dedicated person. That kind of leads into the next topic I wanted to cover is like, maybe what are some of the challenges you see with building out a MOPS team as the company matures Mm -hmm. or like, are, you know, are, do you think there are any things that like some orgs do wrong? You're kind of alluded to it already. Like they don't hire enough, but when it comes to building a MOPS team, um, like, do you think, have you learned anything or do you see other, um, orgs maybe doing something wrong or even before getting to connect wise, did you see like a disconnect in how the team was being built? Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's probably two things. Usually it's under staffing, I think is probably the mm-hmm. most common yeah. thing where, we we underestimate we the the proverbial we right we yeah. underestimate how much it's going to take to actually execute on the goals and, and the the strategy that we're trying to implement and so uh, I, I think we we look at it oh that should be really easy we have these state of the art systems and uh, we're just going to introduce a ton of tech and that tech's going to run on its own because the sales rep told me it was going to run on its own and so. Let's let's do this world class. We're going to put a million dollars into our tech stack, and that's going to fuel the growth uh, of this of this team. And we can have two people monitor all that. And I would say I learned very quickly the amount of resources it takes to manage a large tech stack, even a small tech stack, but a yeah. large tech stack. It is it is really challenging. It is it is hard to do well and to to be efficient. And um, it takes people. Um, totally. I, I know you've mentioned it many times on your podcast. You've had guests mention it uh, as well, but it it really takes people to execute on that. It's not something that just runs in the background. So I, I think that's certainly uh, an aspect of it of uh, trying to make sure that you you properly resource. Um, and it 
think it gets tricky too, uh, depending on how how big your marketing team is um, and how many products you're selling. If you're a one product company, um, it's a little bit simpler. And and not to say that if you only have one product, it's simple, but your, your messaging is a little uh, more straightforward. You have, you might be dealing with the same persona the whole time. Uh, you probably have maybe a simple sales team structure. The moment you start to expand that out into having multiple product lines, potentially multiple websites, multiple sales teams that you're supporting, it, it really starts to get tricky to try to weave all of that together that might have different models and, and different strategies associated with them. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I also think we're coming up against that too with um, just supporting multiple go-to-market strategies. Um, yeah, for sure. Because now it's, uh, you know, companies are wanting to do all of it. They want like their inbound model. Yeah. They want ABM slash outbound model. They want their, they also are maybe exploring PLG. And then they're expecting yeah. like, okay, the same, and they might build out marketers to support that. But then those same marketers are going to the same group of marketing ops folks that are also trying to support it. And so like, which marketing ops should be at the center of that. That team should be Mm -hmm. at the center because they can really guide the company on how to actually operationalize like multiple go to market strategies at once, the data structure you need, the process, um, even how to report on them effectively. But it's just, there's, yeah. like you said, the understaffing part, it's just, it's not getting the resources it needs. So I totally mm-hmm. agree. Like not only, you know, business types, but anything that you're trying to scale out from a marketing side, like needs to then get the support on the marketing ops side. Um, otherwise there, it's just going to be slow, stalled. There's going to be <laughs> yes. mistakes. Like there's going to be people complaining they can't get their campaigns out the door. Um, and right. then it kind of looks bad on marketing ops when really it's not their fault. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, under, you know, I think you're spot on with a kind of multiple go-to-market strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at ConnectWise, we have, uh, we probably, I don't know, 17 products, 16 products, wow. something like uh, lines that we sell. So we have a lot of different products. One of them is more of a, of a PLG model and it, it, it's a digital motion. You try and you buy and, and there's uh, all kinds of, um, usage-based data associated with it. Yeah. There's there's models, but it's it might as well be a separate company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that we have to operate on, from a marketing ops perspective, from from the motion that we we go with that, how we have to set things up in Marketo for that. We have a separate lead scoring model. We have a separate framework for it, um, and we're shared service, right? I think most marketing operations teams are shared services. Yeah. So it's really tricky when you have multiple teams and multiple marketers trying to um, utilize that shared service. Yeah, totally. One thing you mentioned too is um, around the supporting the tech stack. And um, I think almost the name automation and like even market automation has done us a disservice yeah. <laughs> because everyone's like, oh, well, it just kind of operates on its own. It's like, well, you can scale out things a certain way. You can automate some processes, right. but it it still requires an owner. You know, it still requires like a lot of work. And if anything, we always say a tech stack that you add on to it, it has an exponential effect. It's not just like, oh, you Definitely. add on some, you need maybe a bit more resources, the same as the other one. It's like, you almost need that yeah. plus more because it just adds on more and more complexities. Uh, to keep that maintained. And so I think now marketing ops teams or companies are starting to realize, okay, let's maybe simplify, but also let's maybe be a bit more structured in, in how we dedicate our, our resources to certain parts of supporting the team. So that's actually what I wanted to talk about next was um, how do you suggest or um, have you seen work well, maybe even at ConnectWise as far as like when you do have more hires and resources, like splitting out the roles and responsibilities across the team as you bring more people on board um, mm. or, or like you said, supporting like multiple products like that? Yeah, I, I, at least at ConnectWise, the way we've really thought about it um, is, is, you know, what, what are you know, always tying back to the strategy, right? What are our business goals for the year? What are we trying to accomplish? What is it going to take for us to hit those goals from an operational perspective? And in the way we're structured, I kind of have us in uh, four pillars is what, what I kind of look at our teams as, is we have 
um, marketing automation and execution. I look at it from that perspective. I, I separate marketing automation from email for email strategy and email execution. I put marketing automation, even though they're both using Marketo, yeah, um, because it's so different. It's mm-hmm. the operational uh, aspect of of marketing automation, and we use Marketo. So uh, everything that goes along with uh, with running Marketo non email. Um, and, and then we have our email uh, and, and we have we uh, have a role for kind of the strategy, but then we outsource the execution on it, mm. um, which is a, kind of a common model I think that we do within ConnectWise is we, we have roles at headcount across our marketing team for the strategy side of it, but a lot of the execution we, we go through an agency or an execution mm. um, team to do that. Uh, then the, the data side of things uh, is, is the next piece that we've really focused on. Um, we, we started out as a shared service uh, meaning we used kind of the, the IT or operations shared data services team. Mm. What happened, and I think what happened a lot of times with uh, companies that are growing, is the appetite for data and, and analytics and understanding what is happening by your, your head of demand gen, your CMO, your CRO. Everybody wants to know and go really deep and you, you deliver one report and it's like, oh, this is great. I've been asking for this for a long time. I, now I need this and now I need this. And so it just continues to to grow. And so we we felt like it was really important to have a dedicated uh, data and analytics team um, that could could build out and, and respond quickly, both from an analysis perspective, as well as kind of a formal dashboard uh, perspective. And then the last piece of the tech stack that we talked about and um, really kind of how do you manage that well? Not just as an administrator, because uh, that that's part of it. But how do we how do we uh, integrate everything properly? How do we make sure that we are being proactive and not reactive to errors and to um, to issues? And I think that's that's really probably the risk that we and and one of the learning lessons we had is we integrated a ton of tech and we're like, all right, great, it worked. And now let's move on to the next thing. And then all of a sudden there's all these errors happening and yeah. uh, leads aren't getting routed properly or um, you know, our speed to lead is, is not hitting our goals. Uh, mm-hmm. So our conversion rates are dropping and, and we're just reacting and plugging holes mm-hmm. in the dam as opposed to getting in front of it and making sure we're fixing the, the, the core of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I like the way that you talked about those different kind of like teams and structures. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of how we structure our team at CS2 a little bit, actually, because mm-hmm. we have like our our directors, our senior directors, also have managers that support kind of the, the road mapping and even some of the normal kind of what you call like the marketing automation, but um, just actual, you know, strategy for like life cycle and then even building that out on some of their regular systems or some of the tool management. But then we also have specialized teams that, like you said, it, it is a bit different. So campaign operations or execution is kind of managed by another team. We don't do a ton of that at CS2, but we know that that would, wouldn't be smart to have the same kind of person doing that. And then we have our data and analytics as well as like our Salesforce administration on another team. And, um, because they can be even more specialized and go deeper into yeah. that and support some of those frameworks. So um, I think that's a good structure for, for some um, folks who are building out their team. Um, and within the mar- true marketing upside, you can even specialize those uh, groups of people yeah, to sure. like to different internal customers. So like someone who may be on more on the sales sales side, SDR side, supporting mm-hmm. them, someone more for like customer marketing and like, and then someone for like demand gen, there's different ways you can go about it that I've also used in the past when I worked in house, but mm-hmm. having people be like, I think as, as focused as possible without diminishing their role to a small piece, but still working cross-functioning with each other, I think, um, works really well. Yeah, for sure. And I think you really, you hit the nail on the head there that being able to, um, to really have the right connection to each other and that they're, they are working cross-functionally, um, but they do have kind of their specialized areas and, and focuses. And um, it's, it's worked well so far. I think uh, we've, we've been more reactive in the sense of uh, I see 
this being an area of concern, we do not have enough uh, data analysts to respond to the demand that we have. So either we need to outsource and start to you know build out some agencies that can deliver on this, or we need to bring somebody in an additional head in house to do this. And so I, I've had a ton of support from our former head of marketing, uh, but and our our most recent our new CMO. She's not really new anymore. She's <laughs> almost over a year now. Uh, but I've had a ton of support from our leaders that has really helped uh, scale our team and build us out to to execute on the the goals that we have as a company. Totally. I, I like the looking at other resources to fill the gaps. Um, since you've been um, at ConnectWise and like doing some of the hiring yourself, like how have you found that exper- like experience be? Because I know we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but it's a bit of a tricky yeah. time, especially now for everyone with hiring, but especially in marketing ops where this is a kind of a function role that people, you know, kind of fall into. So it feels a lot like the pool is quite smaller when you do find someone, everyone's kind of experience of like how they work in mops is quite different. So you do have to really kind of nail the interview and try and pair their expertise with what you're looking for. But how's that been for you? Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I, you know, before I, I almost look at it as before COVID after COVID, um, we were very Tampa centric before COVID. Um, mm. Our headquarters is in Tampa, Florida, and so we our hiring pool was kind of smaller. Um, it, so you think of marketing ops as is you know a, a hard role to fill. Now just go in one city, like oh, you're wow. just yeah. in this. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy. And so we uh, we were for the most part just hey if you if you're in Tampa, great, we'll, we'll look for you, but. Otherwise, sorry, uh, we're not a remote company, which sounds crazy now. I, like looking back, like how in the world did this work? Um, Post COVID, it has completely flipped, and it wasn't just COVID. I think the world has changed, of course. But um, through some acquisitions, we acquired uh, a company of equal size to us mm. that uh, wasn't in Tampa, and so they were spread across the world. And I think that accelerated um, our transition to kind of this remote uh, workforce. But uh, before it was really, really hard to just mm-hmm. find somebody that was in our area. And even after, uh, I think it is, you know, what you mentioned, the, um, the talent pool, uh, there are some really talented people, but the comp that they are demanding these days is, is high and, mm-hmm. uh, really having to go back to leadership, like, Hey guys, I don't think we have this right. What, what we're, what we're trying to pay here, it, it's not where the market is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be really smart and, and think through that. Um, and then two, I mean, I, it took me five months to hire a marketing data analyst. I, I listed it in December. Finally, ju- he's just started two weeks ago. I must've made six offers. Um, and every time got countered and I was going above budget. Like I was doing everything I could. Uh, and it was just, everybody had multiple offers. Uh, and these are remote people, right? They're not in Tampa. It wasn't like I had a small pool. Um, mm-hmm. so it's tricky. Uh, so, yeah. I think what I, I tried to do, um, was really, uh, in my, you know, both in the job description, but really in my first interview with, uh, our candidates is describe, here's, here's my vision. Here's what I, I'm hoping you can fill. Here's the, here's the pain point we have. Here's the areas that we really need to solve mm-hmm. to try to help scope and tie their skill set. Oh yeah. That sounds exactly like what I'm looking for. Or uh, it's a little bit different than than how I read this, you know, marketing operations manager job description, which can mean a billion things. Um, so I I tried to really fill that more organically in, in my conversations, but it was definitely challenging uh, building out the team, uh, and I know others have experienced that as well. Yeah, the it, the comp thing is interesting too because I do think that. Uh, things have just changed like a hundred percent. I looked back at some roles that, um, and we're all, you know, the amount of, um, like raises we do to keep up with that. Cause we want, like, obviously we want to stay in par and be above that and, and pay everyone fairly, especially being a remote team, but it can be even something you address like yearly now. Like it has to be like yeah. something that you're always like constantly readjusting because this is like a resource and they know, they can go out and maybe find that too. But I think in, internally for for customers, like the their, their executive team needs to realize like, you know, this is something that we need to put budget against. But I think mm-hmm. the, the, the counter to that too is 
what some companies do as well is they're like, okay, well, we'll pay them that much, but then they really stall to hire anymore because they're like, well, that was a really expensive hire. I don't want to do another one. So since this person right. is like demanding all this money and they're good at their job, I guess they can just take it all on, you know? Um, and then they were like, yeah, let's give them more now, right? Yeah, just give them more. And expectations are high. And and then that person maybe just really struggles in the role and leaves. So I think it's just going to be an education point, I think. Um, and it got a bit crazy, I think, post, I think you said COVID. And I think you're right, though, with COVID, because a lot of folks who maybe even um, delayed on being kind of not but investing on the digital side, just realize mm -hmm. how important all of that is when some of the other kind of channels that they leaned on before maybe didn't have such a digital operational lift. It was more like, okay, let's yeah. run this event. Our field markers have it, like upload the leads and then follow up on them. Now it's more like, you know, op optimizing other core areas and getting the insights into like, you know, digital ads or what can we do to improve the customer experience? How do we do more outbound in a way that feels very ineffective now because that's not how buyers buy. Um, <laughs> right. So there is this frenzy, I think. But and, and also, I think people have realized how important Mops is, which I, I think is good. It's part of the reason why we started the podcast. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of yeah, matching to that. It, it does feel like uh, there's a lot more advocates for Mops these days. Uh, and I think the um, uh, COVID probably did kind of highlight like the need for execution, the need for strong digital strategy. And, and, you know, I, I think the, that, and then the growth, right. The explosion of uh, the MarTech world and the, the failed promises of like, ah, oh, just download, you know, you just need this ABM platform and it'll run itself and you can still <laughs> grow 10 X. Yeah. Uh, and then it, people do it and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, Oh wait, I, I I think I need a person here <laughs> who's going to run this. I think that is uh, people have learned uh, the hard way. Um, and I, I can put myself in that category. We, we really overestimated the, um, the automation <laughs> of technology versus how much people would need to run it. Totally. Yeah. Um, so on the, so with seeing the team grow um, at your organization, I mean, we're focusing on mobs, but, like, how do you feel about um, kind of the rise of like consolidation of ops teams? So, like with RevOps and um, and so forth. Like, what are your thoughts on on that? Do you think that Mops would serve well as a, a kind of a joint function, like with Sales Ops? I'm not sure how that works at ConnectYC. You can maybe give a little context, but or do you think like Mops would be served better as like its own function, but just working closely with other ops teams? Like, what's your kind of stance? So I'm going to give the typical marketing ops uh, answer that it depends. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, and I think it does. I, I yeah, it, not, not being cliched. I, I think it does depend. Uh, at ConnectWise, we are separate. Um, we do have a CRO and a CMO, um, both report into our CEO, not like, you know, that it's not the CRO over the CMO or anything like that. Um, and we have a separate sales ops and marketing ops function. Um, tight integration, tight connection, really good relationships there. I think that's one of the, biggest things I uh, try to do as a leader is to really have tight uh, relationships across the company and make sure that I'm always serving those well so that we can rely on each other and uh, you know, pull on each other when we need. Um, and then we, for us at ConnectWise, we have a business systems team that, that sits in IT and there are Salesforce admins. So all of our Salesforce work is done through them. And it's like this kind of three-tiered uh, approach where marketing ops, sales ops, and uh, the business systems team work really closely together, have really tight relationships. Um, it, I'd say for us, it works well. And here, the risk, I think, if we were to form a revenue operations or uh, team mm -hmm. and marketing ops was under revenue ops, um, I think the risk that you run, and it's probably fairly common, is that sales will consume marketing ops and marketing ops is serving sales. It, it, you know, sales is the loudest there they're creating the revenue. So of course they're going to be, mm -hmm. uh, have the biggest need. And I think that that's really the risk. That's probably why we've avoided it. Yeah. So that you know, our, our CMO has a large list of goals and priorities for the year. And the moment we move marketing ops out of that, those become, the hope would be that they don't become less of a priority, 
um, and that marketing ops would get pulled away. But I think that's the risk. And so we've we've not done it. Um, that's not to say it wouldn't work. Uh, I know companies that do it and say they would never go back. Like, why would you ever have these separate? Um, and if there's really tight alignment, I think it works fine. And I think we do have that. Um, if uh, I think where it really causes problems is if there's uh, competing or that the relationship's not strong um, and now it's pointing fingers at each other. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where things start to break down. Marketing's not doing this. Sales isn't doing this. And everybody's mad at each other <laughs> um, yeah, versus true alignment. And I, that's not to say like we've, we've cracked the code and we have pure alignment and we're uh, walking down the street, skipping, holding hands or whatever, but it, uh, you know, You're not. It, there's <laughs> no, I know it's, it's shocking, right? Um, we should be. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to, I need to work on that. Um, but it, I, I do think it, it really depends. I, I, I think there's a lot of orgs that have done some really good stuff by doing that, by combining those. Cause there's yeah. so much synergy that can come with it. Yeah, I agree with you though. Like I, I do think the like you said is the priorities of the CMO with those get abandoned, and it's like, well, maybe not. But then also that mops team will then just end up dotted line to the CMO anyway, and so yeah, it's like, right. well, you're working more closely with this person who actually technically isn't your boss or like manages your function, but yet you're, they're your biggest customer. You're supporting all of their initiatives and they have a better insight into all the work that you're doing. And if you're hitting those objectives. So to me, it's like, might as well stay there. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but the key thing is alignment. And sometimes I do think it's an overreaction to lack of alignment, but I actually think mm-hmm. the alignment issue is more at the leadership level, but that's kind of what I think. No, that's a good, yeah, it's a great point. Cause I think some, I think the tendency would be, well, let's just combine the teams and then it will be aligned and alignment doesn't necessarily come from a reporting structure, right? Yeah. There's a lot more involved in that. Yeah. What about like the website team or like people that manage the website? Like how closely do they work with your team and, uh, does it, that sit under marketing? Yeah. So we, uh, we have a digital team is what we call it. Okay. That's your digital uh, so, team. Okay. Yeah, so digital represents the website uh, in all of our paid mm. uh, media strategy. Everything we do from pay, paid search, paid social, um, media, anything that we do from that side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of look at it as our head of demand gen, um, our head of digital, and me as the head of ops. The three of us are really tightly aligned. Um, I, I, I couldn't do what I do without them. I, I'd like to think they can't do what they do without me. Um, <laughs> and my team, of course, it's not me. Um, and so I think that alignment is really important. Um, and, and that's, that's how we're structured. I, th- I think it's worked well. Um, I know a lot of teams would have a website in, uh, under, um, and even all of digital potentially under marketing ops. I think that can work. I, I don't think there's, I think there's a lot of benefits with that, um, in, uh, ensuring kind of operational efficiency, everything from a technology perspective. Um, but I, you know, for us, we've made it work so far. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just asking because like I do think that people will focus on RevOps and they'll put marketing ops under there, but then they still have like the web team that will then yeah. sit under marketing. It's like, well, if anything, if there's teams that like actually need to be aligned and have a similar process, it's still that web team or digital team with marketing ops. So I also feel like you're then creating a lack of alignment on another side that's super important. So I, I was talking about this on a, a podcast that hasn't been published yet, but I had that aha moment and I'm like, wow, like that just seems like a total miss to me because like marketing ops doesn't even have like similar projects or anything they're working on with sales ops. They just touch the same systems. Yeah. So they need to be aligned. Right. But when you think about the customer experience, the web team, the forms they're touching, everything, that's marketing ops too. They need to be aligned. And so yeah. don't make that relationship even harder, you know, like if anything, <laughs> right. just make them close, closer working together. So, um, yeah, it just hit me the other day. I was like, wait, what about the website team or what about the web team or anything like that during RevOps? No, very true. I, I think you're spot on. And we, we even played around, uh, there for, I think it was, so we, we were founder led, we were acquired by private equity back in 2019. Um, and have really kind of been on a, a journey since then. Um, we, we moved demand gen and field marketing under revenue. Um, so they were no longer under marketing, but marketing ops still was under marketing and the web, the digital team was, um, but we, we ran into things like that where it was, 
um, we had, what about your corporate branding? What about things related to the website? There's so much that doesn't necessarily touch sales, but is really important. And our a hundred percent of our efforts and resources can't be dedicated to creating demand. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to think that it can, but there's a lot more there. And so that, um, it, it we're now not structured that way. We're now all structured under our CMO, but it is, it is a tricky thing that, um, you know, ensuring that things are, are well aligned and working well together. Yeah. Well, I know we're just almost at time or a little bit over, but I wanted to sneak in one final question. And um, I think as marketing ops teams are growing, they usually embark on some similar types of projects or identify, okay, our company's maturing. So this is a super important thing to take on Um, for you and your org. And you maybe alluded to this a little bit on the reporting side, but what have been some examples of some initiatives or projects that have really surfaced as like, okay, we got this far, maybe not uh, you know, supporting or focusing on it, but now we really need to. Yeah, I think there's two things that come to mind uh, for me. Is The first is speed to lead. I know you've had some podcasts about speed to lead. Yeah. That, the, the focus, so our conversion rates is one of our key metrics. Yeah. Um, we call it MQL to SQO as we call it sales qualified opportunity. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, uh, but we... Our conversion rates uh, have not been uh, over the past, like 2021, our conversion rates were not where we wanted them to be. And it really started putting that focus on, well, we, speed to lead is such a important driver to that. And that is almost 100% on, uh, it's two things, right? It's technology and it's the systems and the process that we get, but then it's also the human response of mm. making sure the BDRs are, uh, we call them BDRs, SDR, yeah. whatever you call them, mm-hmm. um, are responding quickly. Uh, so speedily was a huge focus for us. We put a ton of effort into error rates, reducing the number of lead routing error rates and, and getting to the core of what was causing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was marketing automation. So Marketo data normalization changes and enrichment things we had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a big project that we put a ton of effort behind. Um, and, and, you know, it was, uh, it took a lot of focus, uh, and uh, a lot of resources to try to get there to where our conversion rates are really uh, trending in the right direction. And we've, we've started to see kind of record uh, growth rate in that area. Oh, nice. I think the second, yeah, it's been great. Um, a lot of room to grow. So we're, we're not there yet, but um, I think we're, we're seeing positive momentum. Um, the second area is one that I, I kind of shied away from, not because I didn't want to, but it was just one of those where nobody owned it. Um, and I knew it was an issue for a long time, uh, but I didn't really have the time or resources to dedicate to it. And it was really around our data quality and acquisition strategy. Um, mm. I think it's common for a company our size uh, to, like, data is important. Data quality is important. We got to make sure data's good. You know, the data is good, but then there's no true owner of it. Mm. Um, and everybody kind of, it was the, the Spider-Man meme of, both Spider-Man yeah, looking, you yeah, know, pointing at each other. That's what I always <laughs> felt like. Who's, whose job is this? Uh, it's theirs. Um, so I've taken that on. Uh, my team has taken that on. It's not me. Um, <laughs> my team does all the work. Uh, we we actually built out a role for this because, um, you know, our, my CMO was really challenging. I think this is us. This this needs to be us to own this. Um, we had a ton of dupes through acquisition, trying to push everything together. Um uh, we have a ton of uh, unmarketable mm. accounts and contacts mm-hmm. in our systems. Um, old data. And, and really, yeah, old data, mm. migrated data, yeah. people that haven't consented, uh, all kinds of stuff that, that are risks and red flags. But just no time. Like, like, we have all these other projects. Who has time to worry about the data? Right. But then we're paying you know, $300 per lead to bring in a new, to acquire a new lead. And so we're paying all this money to bring in new leads when we've got a ton of accounts mm-hmm. and uh, unmarketable accounts just sitting in our system that we can't do much with. And or so the rest of really your projects in... rely on a data structure, absolutely. right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they don't work because our data is not right. Well, we our email is deliverability is low. Yeah. Or how can you uh, route not... a lead to the right rep if they don't, you don't even have the right data in order to route it properly, right? Exactly, right? I, I mean, everything. Yeah. Everything at the core of that. Um, so we've we put a really tight focus, uh, dedicated ahead to it, have some offshore resources to help with some of the kind of manual uh, investigation of things, uh, and really started to put a plan together to how are we going to go through the 160,000 prospect accounts in our database uh, and truly clean this up really well and and 
become more of an engine of quality leads that are coming through. Yeah. And it, it ConnectWise is a little different in that we don't have a true, so we do account-based marketing, not to say we don't, um, but our our known TAM is not as easy. It's not a SIC code. It's not an, mm. a Nexus code or whatever you call those. We, we work with IT service providers, which are often small. Uh, and so they don't always exist across all the different uh, enrichment and you know the DMBs and the Zoom infos of the world. Uh, so we often will pull people in uh, that are in our target market, um, but we can't just run it up against something and be 100% right that it's truly this uh, in our market. Um, so that that's probably the second thing. I might be rambling a little bit, but no, uh, that our the- data acquisition strategy. Yeah, a data acquisition strategy. And like I have another client who deals with it, and then that even means like, okay, how do we marry these different sources together to get exactly what we want? Because yeah. sometimes different business units require data that some providers don't have. So it to say it takes uh, uh, some corralling is like an understatement, but um, yeah, dedicating definitely. the resources toward it. or And that's why having that strategy early on, so it's like just chipping away rather than this huge undertaking. And that's the thing that I think is hard for MOPS now is like, like tech debt remediation or data structure. Like mm-hmm. I think big undertakings is the thing that like overwhelms the teams and then it becomes a bit of a roadblock. So because they can't do that big undertaking, they just do enough and patching in order to move forward. Yeah. But then you're just adding on to that problem. So, uh, right. so, um, well, I know we're out of time now, but I thought this was a super awesome, uh, conversation. And I think all of these things are, are, you know, as marketing ops folks are seeing their team mature, their company mature, like really figuring out, okay, where do we invest our time? What am I, what am I dealing? And if anything, people probably are just listening and saying, oh, I'm going through the same thing as you, Rick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel for them if they are. I, I really feel for them. <laughs> um, but uh, where can folks find you, Rick, if they want to connect with you and if they have any questions for you after listening to this? Uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn, uh, it, Rick Collins, work for ConnectWise. Uh, I think my I think I, my uh, moniker is like Martech Rick or something like that. But if you search for me, I know oh, Rick yeah. Collins. Well, yeah, share, we'll share his LinkedIn, uh, profile, LinkedIn in profile in the description for everyone. There you go. Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm fairly active on MoPros, uh, the oh, nice. uh, oh, Mike yeah. Rizzo's yeah. Uh, little community there uh, on Slack. So I, I typically go in there once a week or so and kind of see what's going on. Uh, and if I if I've experienced something, I'll reach out to people. Feel free to DM me on there if, if anybody's uh, there happy to to share any insights. And I've, I've connected with a, some of your past, uh, um, speakers, uh, as well. And, you know, picking their brain on different topics. Awesome. So awesome. either one would yeah, be great. That's, yeah. cool. that's cool. Yeah. I love these. Yeah. I love these. I wish I had some of them when I worked in house. I would have. Very helpful. Yeah. No, they are. Um, um, awesome. Well, awesome. for those well, of you who are listening, who are listening enjoy this episode, feel free to write us a review or share with your colleagues and friends. And we'll see you next time. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Have a good one.